to the audio event of the century, featuring two lifelong best friends. We love the Leafs. We love each other. But most of all, we love William Nylander. Welcome to the Buds All Day Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Buds All Day Podcast. I'm Sats Mundine, joined by Lebda's Legacy. How's it going, everyone? And today we have a trade to discuss. Now, we have a trade to announce. Now, last night, after they lost to the St. Louis Blues, the Toronto Maple Leafs traded Nick Ritchie and his $2.5 million salary, along with a what is likely to be a second-round pick in 2025, uh, to the Arizona Coyotes for Ilya Labushkin and Ryan Dezingle. Now, Labushkin... Uh, he is a right-handed defenseman, making $1.375 million for the rest of the year. Uh, and Dezingle is a forward who is making $1.1 million for the rest of the year. He has been sent down to the Marlies. He's going through waivers right now. And, you know, if, if past waiver experiences have been any bit of a guide for us, we can say pretty comfortably that Ryan Dezingle will not be a Toronto Maple Leaf because there's nothing any other Canadian team loves more than claiming a leaf on waivers. So Lebda, basically it's going to break down to Nick Ritchie, $2.5 million salary dump for this year and next. And the second round pick for Ilya Labushkin. I got to ask you, what do you think of the move? Yeah, I think this is a nice little bit of tidy business for, for Dubas. I don't think, you know, we can necessarily say that, you know, Dubas stole the trade or it's just an outlandish win for him. It's just a really good trade for the Leafs. Like, you know, it fits. Uh, getting rid of Nick Ritchie this year was, you know, it was key, but it wasn't, it, you know, it is what it is. Like he was buried, you know, we have, what what was it, like 1.3 in dead cap space or something like that, which isn't ideal for this Leafs team, but getting rid of Ritchie's salary for next year and freeing up, you know, as much money as possible um, to re-sign who we need to re-sign next year, that's definitely a big, big part of it. And then the Leafs got, you know, Labushkin, who is a right-handed defenseman, which is a need for this team. Now he's not, a, you know, a surefire top four guy, but I think he is a right-handed defenseman that is, you know, different to what the Leafs have right now. You know, uh, Timothy Lilligan probably a little bit more offensive. Justin Hall has really, really struggled this year. If he returns to form as last year, Labushkin is not better than him. But I think uh, for the cost and getting rid of Richie, I think Labushkin's a nice little gamble for the Leafs. And at worst, he's going to be a seventh D-man or a sixth D-man where you can, you know, if you're like, oh, we need a more physical guy that is really good in his own zone for a matchup, we put Labushkin in. If we want a little more offense or a little more pop, you know, we think about one of the other kind of two options there. Yeah, I, I agree. I think it's pretty hard to be mad at Kyle Dubas for this trade because looking into it, you would have thought, you know, you'd probably pay a third rounder just to get rid of Nick Ritchie's salary on its own and to be able to get a guy in Labushkin who you can feel comfortable is, is definitely an NHL defenseman. He played 18 minutes a night for the Coyotes. Um, really, really good defensive guy. I think he's in the, about the 92nd percentile defensively this year, the 95th percentile, according to Fresh Hockey. And he is just not going to give you any offense. So... He is a probably a really good guy to put with a. He seems like a perfect fit for a guy like Rasmus Sandin, who is an excellent puck moving defenseman. Still a younger guy, not the strongest in his own end. Where a guy like Labushkin could be a really helpful, you know, it's kind of a Zach Bogosian type guy. But I'm curious how the Leafs are going to use him. Are they going to put him with Sandin, use them as a traditional third pair? 
Is he going to try him with Muzzin, see if that can be kind of a shutdown pairing for us? Or are they going to put him with Sandine and maybe use that as your second pair and bump Hall and Muzzin to a third pair role or a 2A, 2B? So what are you expecting Keith to do, Lebda, and what do you hope becomes of this trade? Yeah, I just want to touch on one thing that I was just kind of sitting here thinking about too is um, I've seen a lot of people, you know, saying Labushkin doesn't have the greatest stats and, and, and all this kind of stuff. And what I think the Leafs have been doing lately, and I want to bring up David Kopp. Like I know when we first analyzed the David Kopp signing in the summer, we were a little bit, you know, up and down about it and not 100% sure what he would do or what kind of player he was. And then he comes into a Leaf system and finds like just the, the kind of, perfect uh setting for him and he's really excelled in that so i think that's another thing that the leafs are doing here with the defense um and with labushkin they see something that they really like in his game and uh we'll see if he can you know kind of carve out that um that role that you know maybe he won't be as successful as uh david Kampf, but i'm uh i'm excited to see what he can do and as far as what i think sheldon keith is going to do i do think he's probably going to get a chance with muzzin because i know sheldon keith hasn't been the biggest fan of that muzzin hall pairing whether you want to blame justin hall whether you want to say muzzin's declining whatever it is so i think i don't know if it'll be right away he gets put on there i think he'll get a shot there and then I think come playoff time, he'll probably be on the bottom pair, if not the odd man out, just depending on where he does fit in the lineup. But I, I think they will give him a pretty pretty good fair shake being a partner to Jake Muzzin, trying to figure out that second pairing and even trying to figure out maybe more of a shutdown pairing. Yeah, I think a big component of this deal is the timing of it, that the Leafs have made this a month before the trade deadline. So they have time to see if it's potentially something that could solve their bigger issue, that we all know that they've been looking for a top four right-handed defenseman. Labushkin hasn't been that yet uh, to this point in his career. He's 27 years old, plays 18 minutes a night for a team like Arizona. So at first look, much like David Camp, you see a defensive guy on a team like Chicago who have horrible defensive metrics. You're thinking, well, is this guy really going to be anything more than a 4C for us? Is he even an NHL caliber player? Same thing with Labushkin. Maybe we bump him up into a role, like you said. Maybe you give him a shot with Muzzin, and he really thrives there. I don't personally see them being a great fit together just because of the poor puck moving that Muzzin has kind of displayed this year. Um, I think he could fit really well with a guy like Sandine, and I would like to kind of see them get some of the tougher minutes and see if maybe we can turn Rasmus Sandine into our number three defenseman. But I, I think the key is that we did it a month before the deadline, it gives Keith time. Maybe next game he tries them for, for two, three games with Muzzin to see if they work. If they do a good job of shutting down the other team, if they can actually get the puck out of their own zen end and transport it to the forwards, maybe he leaves them together. Maybe that's a good fit. And if not, try them with Sandine, see what works. But it leaves the door open for the Leafs to make another addition going into the deadline if they don't feel that Labushkin solves a problem. It just gives them an Eight NHL caliber defensemen. They can trade one of them if they have to. Probably a guy like Dermott. I think you're going to see on his way out. So it's just going to be really interesting to watch what the Leafs do. And it's still, again, it, it, he didn't give any big assets. So I think Duba still has a big move that he's going to go out hunting for. Yeah, I, I don't know exactly how to peg this because my first initial thought was like, okay, this is Dubas, you know, solidifying the defense for a cheap price and he's going to go big gang hunting on one of those big big forwards but you make a really really good point that this is happening well before the trade deadline and there's lots of time so i think it's still early to to you know 
call Dubas's kind of hand there on that one. Um, I think he's definitely going to go out and get a big, uh, maybe not a big name, but he's going to go out and try and get an impact player one way or the other. But this does um, give him nice time to evaluate and see if the defense, you know, with this addition is still the number one priority for this team. Because if Lubushkin comes in and, you know, it very well could happen. You know, I, I really like his defensive numbers and I, I think it could be a nice fit depending on the role and we could see how he goes. I know he's a big physical player that always comes to uh, – comes to help a lot in the playoffs and especially if you know maybe he does find a a spot with Jake Muzzin or or even if he settles in with uh, Rasmus Sandin and gives Sandin a little bit more freedom to to go up the ice a little bit more and uh, know that he has a little bit of that coverage and that's great but it's still um, lots of time and there's still lots of time for Kyle Dubas to evaluate the defense and if you know Labushkin wasn't the the um, the solution then we can still go out and get someone and we still you know um, haven't committed a lot of, uh, of cap or we certainly haven't overpaid for a guy like Ben Sherratt and now we're stuck with someone who's bad. So I really, really do, uh, do like this deal and it's really low risk and high reward just getting, you know, rid of that salary from, uh, from Nick Ritchie as well. Yeah. I think the worst case scenario for this deal is you paid a second rounder to get rid of Nick Ritchie and you got yourself a sixth or seventh defenseman. That is the absolute worst case. I don't think there's any way, that you could say Labushkin's not an NHL-caliber defenseman. And the upside of this deal is maybe you fashioned yourself a second pair. You said that Labushkin could free up Sandine to be you know more free-flowing offensively, which definitely could be the case. It could also free him up to go against tougher competition. He can play his style. We know that he's not been the most reliable in his zone. We saw it a little bit in the playoffs last year too. If he has a guy like Ilya Labushkin, who isn't the greatest transition defender, he's about average in that realm but he's very good in his own end and I think just from watching the eye test that's where you kind of see Sandine struggle a little bit so I think he could be a really really good partner for Sandine and we may have turned that into a second pairing and then maybe you just roll the pairing that's hot if it's Muzzin Hall if it's Sandine Labushkin you just kind of go play it by ear that night and yeah if it doesn't work for the next month pretty easy for the Leafs to uh to move on to a new target on defense now I got to ask, do you think that – who do you think is the Leaf that's going to be moved out of this defense? Because they do have eight NHL defensemen right now. I know you do go through eight in a playoffs, but it's it's quite a log jam to have for the regular season when you got six, eight guys who all probably want to be playing every night. So, Lebda, what do you think Dubas does with the, uh, with the log jam down there? I, I think it depends on what he's planning to do at the deadline. I think it's all going to come down to salary based like on who he moves out and who like, I don't think any of them are untradeable to move out or anything like that. But if you you know uh, decide, Oh, I want, you know, one of the bigger forwards and you can move Alex Kerfoot and Justin Hall, that's a combination of five and a half million there. You might not even have to retain on someone like there. Maybe a team's like, Oh, like we'll take a, instead of giving up a, a Nick Robertson or something like that, maybe we'll take a, a little bit lower of a end prospect and a first for, for a really good player. Cause you're not making us retain or something like that. So I think it's going to come down to that. I think like, I don't know. I, I'd probably personally move on from Justin Hall if I'm, uh, if I'm being honest, but again, I think it's all just going to come down to what, what else Kyle Dubas has in, uh, in the chamber when it comes to making a trade. Yeah, I think, I think you kind of hit the nail on the head. I think they're more likely to move Dermot just from the way they've kind of treated him for the last year or two. The way he's played, he's kind of shown himself not to be much more than a third-pairing defenseman. But if you're moving him to a team, say you were just hypothetically trading, 
with Chicago for Brandon Hagel, or you're trading with Philly for a Claude Giroux, you're making one of those big deadline deals. I think they might be a little bit more enticed by Travis Dermott just to think, hey, maybe we could give him a shot in our top four for the next year or two. I think he might have, I don't know if he'd have more value, but it, it might just make more sense. And then the Leafs get to keep a guy who, again, every time he plays with Sandine, Hall seems to be doing pretty well. Like last night, they led the team in expected goals percentage. They were up uh, in the 70s. So I personally think at this point in their careers, Hall is probably the better NHL player. And I think that's what the Leafs kind of have to consider. And honestly, for what Dermot does, I don't think 1.5 is really a great deal. Um, so if you're moving, even if you're moving him with Alex Kerfoot, you're looking at about $5 million, uh, to go out. So do you think that the, if you had to project right now, going into the deadline, are you, are you expecting the Leafs to make a move for a big forward? I really have a, just a weird feeling that Claude Giroux might end up in a Leafs uniform. I think I don't. I know there was lots of rumors about him only wanting to go to certain teams. I know he also came out and said those are, you know, not true. So I, I don't know. I, I just have this weird feeling that Dubas is just going to go all in. And I think, I know there was a rumor. I don't know who it was from, so it could be complete bogus. There was a rumor that the Leafs were interested in him or kicking the tires in him. Um, but I, I kind of think they're going to go that route, which would be uh, very, very interesting for this team and could, you know, lead to a lot of very interesting matchups and a lot of interesting uh, podcast discussion for sure if it does happen. But that's that's just the hunch I have right now. Yeah, I, I think a lot of it's just going to depend how the next month goes. If, if Labushkin doesn't make the defense look any better, I think they probably still look around for a defenseman. But I do agree. I think a, a big name, a big fish is kind of in the cards for the least, whether that is Giroux, whether that is a Joe Pavelski, something like that, or... Again, a guy we talked about in the last podcast, a Brandon Hagel, maybe maybe Dubas, like he said, doesn't want to do a rental and he wants one of those longer-term guys, a guy that's on a great contract that can contribute in the top six. I just think keeping our first round or keeping our assets in place with this trade and clearing that money is just so big for the Leafs right now. I think they have to go in and use that first-round pick to make one more difference maker because I know Nylander scored a couple goals last night, but that second line just hasn't been... Hasn't been popping off like you'd hope. And the first line, you're not making a change there. So I think that second line left wing would really be the final piece for this team if we can make it work with Labushkin. Now, I guess we should talk about the other guy in the trade, uh, Ryan Dezingle. Probably remember him from his Ottawa Senators days. He's He's been around 40, 50 points a couple seasons, 20-goal uh, scorer at one point, but he's not really that right now. And the reason we're not talking about him too much is probably because – He's not going to be a Leaf, like we said, but what are your thoughts on him, Lev? Would you, uh, do you think he would crack the top 12 forwards if he does clear waivers? Uh, I I don't think we'll see Ryan Dezingle in the lineup unless there's, you know, an injury or a couple of injuries. I just, like, for what, for what he used to be, I think he could have been a really interesting piece and maybe, you know... Uh, trying to figure figure something out on the left wing or something like that if out like because i know keith hasn't seemed to be very happy with alex kerfoot and having another kind of piece to try there but i think with how he's played the last couple years i don't think that um his offenses seem to really dry up um he still seems to be okay defensively but i don't think he's good enough defensively to play on that david comp line and then if you're putting him on that fourth line who's coming out right it's not like i don't see pierre Engvall going anywhere i think 
Pierre Engvall has pretty much solidified that four center spot unless something, again, drastic happens. And I really don't see them bringing out either of the veterans for, for Ryan Dezingle. So, you know, maybe he gets a, gets a bit of game time when someone's either being load managed or if there's an injury, if he does clear waivers, of course. But I pretty much see him probably getting claimed and not seeing too, too much ice time for the Leafs. I think that's fair. And I think that's uh, probably a good place to end it. Before we go, I want to get your thoughts. What is, to you, the top 6D of the Toronto Maple Leafs? Let's say playoffs start tomorrow. Who are you? What pairs are you rolling out as your, uh, if you're Sheldon Keith? Uh, I'm probably going to go... Well, the first one's obvious. Riley Brody, That you don't touch that. They're just a beautiful compliment and playing out of their minds this year. Uh, so you definitely don't touch that second one. It, like you probably still are slotting Jake Muzzin into that slot. Again, lots of things can change. And then that's where it gets a little bit tricky. I, I think just because we haven't seen it, I think it's probably Justin Hall. And then you have Sandine and Labushkin, but I could very, very well see um, things shifting around a little bit. And maybe it's Muzzin Labushkin, even as a bottom pairing and Sandine takes that Muzzin spot with Hall is the second pairing just in their minutes allocation. But I think that's pretty much how I would call it if I was a betting man right now. But again, there's lots of room. There's lots of room for guys to impress. Maybe maybe this just gives, you know, Justin Hall and Timothy Lilligan a kick in the ass and they start playing out of their minds. And, and Labushka does become a 7th forward, not because he's bad, but just because the other guys have really stepped up. So very, very interesting to see what happens on the Leafs D. But yeah, I'm pretty much keeping it as I, uh, as I stated. I think that's probably the most likely scenario too. Uh, you did make that point about Riley. I do. I don't think they would ever do it, but I would almost be interested in just seeing him because Riley Brody has been so good. So you don't want to touch it. But we've seen Muzzin and Brody even this year look really good together. I wonder if having a Labushkin there, just a solid defensive guy who's going to cover up for Riley's mistakes while not, you know, touching the puck too much on his own. I wonder if that could be an interesting pairing for the Leafs to try. I don't think they will though. I don't, I don't think they will either, but I'd love for them to do it. Uh, I, like, I'm all for the experimentation. And we saw, you know, if Labushkin can just be a little bit better version of like a Ron Hainsey, we saw that Riley Hainsey pairing maybe not be amazing, but can kind of work. So, again, I think TJ Brody is literally the perfect defender to play on Morgan Riley's um, uh, D pairing just because he's so good at. You know, he's just a really good hockey player, but he's also so good at covering two on ones and stuff like that. So Riley just has all the freedom in the world. So I think as as it comes for the playoffs, I don't think you touch that. But again, regular season, you know, if you listen to this pod all the time, we're all for experimenting. So I, I really would love to see that, too. Yeah, I think it's obviously not something you're doing to make Morgan Riley better. You're hoping you could probably get, you know, 85 to 90% of what he's doing with Brody now. And then just hoping that Brody and Muzzin can really become a solid shutdown type of pair. It would, it would be interesting. Ron Haynes is a great comparable for it. I think it'd be something that would be uh, pretty cool to see Sheldon Keefe try. But again, he, the, the only thing that would give me pause is that that line's probably always playing with the Matthews line. They're always going to be facing lines like Boston's first line, Tampa's first line in the playoffs. So maybe you want two puck movers like Brody and Riley together, which does make sense, but. It's going to be an interesting uh, rest of the season, Levda. Yeah, it adds a little spice to it, you know. Obviously, we're still in that first place, um, that first place, I guess, battle or whatever you want to call it. So, Sheldon Keith probably doesn't want to mix too many things up just in case a couple games go south. But, 
again, we, we know what happens come playoff time. You have to be able to adapt on the fly and you have to be able to make changes quickly so that you don't get stuck doing certain things. Cough, Mike, cough, Babcock. Um, so we'll see, we'll see how much experimenting happens, but I'm, uh, I'm really, really happy that, uh, Dubas went out and did this cause it gives me a lot of relief that we're not going to go out and get Ben Schrott and make the same mistake we did last year and get that one old guy who's going to cost way too much for what he's worth. So, you know, I definitely a lot of, uh, stress off the shoulders with this move too. Yeah. Like. Getting a guy who, to me, is better than Sherratt in Labushkin. By every metric, he's been better. And you can't say it's because of the teams, because he plays on Arizona. It's not like he's playing for Tampa or something. Uh, he costs significantly less than the rumored price for Ben Sherratt. He plays the right side, which is more important for us. Yeah, I I never was really scared about the uh, Sherratt rumors because it just seemed kind of like smoke and mirrors, maybe a little distraction by Dubas from what the Leafs were uh, really trying to do, or maybe it was just Montreal trying to jump up the price. One way or the other, I wasn't too scared like some people were, but if they did it, I, I said on last podcast, I would I would demand Dubas' re- resignation immediately. But with that said, he did a great job on this trade. For me, it's got to be a solid B+. Again, you're clearing $2.5 million for next year. You're getting at least one guy who can be a, a pretty valuable contributor for a playoff run, and all you're doing is giving up a, a second round pick in three years. So bravo to Kyle Dubas. Uh, that about does it for me. Lebda, you got anything else you want to say today? No, I think that's everything. Beautiful. Well, we will talk to you guys soon and... <laughs>